My name is Tracy Tim, and our company's name is Thrivus. This this is this is diversified game game a podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race; it's about you know ideas. So let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game People, I have all the way from Dallas, and she is a Texas native, Miss Sis Tracy Tim, and she's going <laughs> to give us the game on, you know, career coaching and just how you can, um, you know, better your life. I really want you guys after this interview to go check out her beautiful website and tap in for the services because during COVID, this is your time to connect and become a better you. So Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing awesome. We have been, you and I going back and forth for ages trying to trying to book this. So I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like that when you're, you know, you're running 100 miles per hour. Not not me, but you, because I'm just I'm like, <laughs> I'm stuck in this seat every day. Um, just just working and making sure my kids are doing their work inside. But give people the game on what do you do to make people better? Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thanks for having me. Um, our whole business, Thrivist, is really focused on helping people become what we deem the definition of Thrivist to be, which is one who thrives in the simplest terms. Um, we focus really heavily on career, helping people optimize their thrive-worthy career by figuring out their ideal professional working experience as opposed to just sort of any uh, professional working experience that they could get through or do reasonably well. And we really believe that if you can optimize your career and be delivering your best and highest value as a professional, that that's the best opportunity for you to receive your best and highest value back from the work that you do. And, and that comes in many forms. So yeah, we're, we're doing that for individuals. And then we also work with companies, uh, which is a brand new business unit that we have where we go in and we help um, different segments of a professional population tap into their ideal niche within their company or within their industry so that they can progress to positions of leadership and positions of influence in those companies. So what do you think, you know, holds a lot of people back? Because now, you know, people are finding new careers in their 40s, 50s, even 60s saying, I always wanted to do this, but I never had the option. What, what mm. is the, you know, what's yielding them from just doing and being unstoppable um, like your book, uh, <laughs> you know, teaches them? God, I mean, unfortunately, I think there's a handful of things that hold most people back. Um, first and foremost, the thing that we always come across that will mask itself in many different forms is fear. I would say the number one thing holding the majority of us back from moving forward is fear in some capacity. Fear masquerading as confusion, fear masquerading as a limiting belief, you know, fear masquerading as holding on to uh, a comfort zone that you have, even if it's wildly uncomfortable. You know, I talked to so many people who uh, stick around in jobs that they, that they barely tolerate and in some cases are miserable going to and that are making them sick or stressed. And they think that that's, that's the standard. 
you know, and that deviating from that standard is terrifying, you know, because what if, what if what I choose to do is worse? Or what if I do all this work and nobody picks me? What if I'm not good enough? What if I fail? What if I go out on a limb and I might as well have just stayed where I was? Um, fear is the number one thing holding people back. And then when we peel back the layers and you kind of can get through that mindset and get to a much more positive mindset, then it just becomes, I think for most of us, a lack of clarity and a lack of awareness as to not only what our best value and our deepest value is, but then where and how that actually applies in the professional world. Now that fear, talk about so people can kind of, you know, when they go to Amazon and see your very highly rated book, Unstoppable, how did you get over your own fears? Because one thing to get over your own fears and then Ooh, to be able yeah. to teach others. So give us the game on that. Yeah, you got it. Um, thank you again for mentioning the book. I'm really proud of it. It was, um, it looks as though it was the product of about 18 months worth of work, but really it was like 10 years of struggle and study and practice. Um, I think the, the best way to get over fear for yourself is to practice challenging your fears in small ways over and over and over and over again. Like the best example, Kellen, is that recently um, I saw this really good looking guy at a restaurant and he was with a bunch of other people. And I was like, well, I might as well just see if he's single because I'm going to regret maybe for maybe not my whole life, but maybe at least the rest of the day or another week if I don't actually go and say hi to this person, because what if they're my, you know, what if they're my dream person? And, uh, and so I literally just went up to the guy and I whispered in his ear, like, Hey, can I ask you a quick question? He said, sure. I said, are you single? He said, no. And I said, okay, cool. Have a great day. If, if you had said something different, this conversation would have gone differently. And he said, oh, okay. And, and I walked away. Right. But the, the crazy thing is if you, if you challenge yourself in small ways, over and over and over again, you build up the muscle of tolerating fear when it comes in bigger, uh, I don't know, bigger moments, right? Bigger, uh, higher stakes moments. But the way really that I first and foremost started to tap into, I'm not fearless by any means. I really think I, I ascribe to the belief that um, courage is not the absence of fear, but the deeming that something else is more important than what you're afraid of. And when I first started my career, I was working on Wall Street. Right out of school, had a job that most people, I would say, in our society would deem very successful. I was paid very well. Um, I had sort of the accolades and all the great benefits that would go along with a job like that, you know, car service and travel benefits and a credit card, you know, all that stuff that we think is, is sort of the shiny stuff of having succeeded. And I was a miserable, stressed, anxious wreck for two and a half years. It was just a bundle of nerves all the time. Um, and quitting that job was the first step forward for me in overcoming my fears. Um, but there were many, many, many steps after that. Now, talk about the the fear of just even being accepted because we're living in a time it's like Black Mirror season three, episode one, where if you're not <laughs> you're not accepted. You don't get to go in even to your job. And here you are pushing career building. And as a woman, 
mm-hmm. you know, and being a single woman and even being on Instagram, my gosh, you're not doing the splits. Every angle is not <laughs> catching every curve and this and that. The fear of being accepted as a woman in today's time right now. I mean, I, I try to tell my daughters every day, don't worry Ooh. about people accepting you at all. Um, how do you deal with that? Because uh, I think a lot of folks can get, you know, the game and say, oh, I can be myself, actually. I don't have mm-hmm. to be a walking model. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I think a lot of my ability to accept things or move past things comes from having a depth of understanding of why we feel that way in the first place. So I studied psychology in college. One of the core things that we learned immediately was that human beings are hardwired to want to be accepted because of evolutionary biology, right? Imagine you and you and me, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, and it's it's us versus a saber-toothed tiger. We have a much better chance of killing it <laughs> if we work together than if you are judging me and I'm judging you and we don't accept each other and we try to fight it alone. And We are hardwired for community and for sociability and for acceptance because of survival. So if you think about it like that, and then you fast forward to today, you being accepted no longer has to do with your basic survival, right? If somebody doesn't like my Instagram post, it doesn't mean that I'm going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger tomorrow. So, So that helps me sort of dial back my natural reaction to things because you could tell your girls this, it is natural to want to be accepted by others. It's natural. And we are hardwired to want to live in community and belong. That is one of the core basic desires of being a human being. And it's built into our psychology, but the stakes just aren't as high as they used to be. And the other great thing is there's more people in the world than there ever were before. So if you're not accepted by one teeny tiny group over here that judges one way, there's a great chance that you're going to be accepted and belong to this other teeny tiny group over here that sees people totally differently. So for me, you know, I'm not free from fear. I'm not free from the desire to want to belong. I still have little anxieties that chip away at me from time to time. Like, no, what are people going to think if you write this? Or I had a really incredible friend reach out to me after I wrote an email recently to our whole readership. And she said, this actually really offended me. And you're one of my best friends. And I just wanted you to know that this is how it came across. And that was really hard feedback to take. But, you know, I was able to take it internalize it, work through it and move on. Because I think, again, this goes back to flexing that muscle time and time again. So one of the other things you can tell your girls too, is if you continue to put yourself out there and be open to feedback and open to criticism in a positive way, then whenever you do get sort of uh, negative feedback, it doesn't sting quite as much. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's a lot of, a lot of, People try to protect themselves from the fear or from not being accepted that ultimately creates the scenario where they're scared of everything or they're worried about being accepted all the time um, because they've really never been treated the other way, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's it's definitely a day-to-day challenge. You're not wrong. I try just really hard to think about myself though as any other human being. I don't really identify like 
directly as, okay, I'm a female business owner or I'm a woman in business, or I just feel like I'm a person who's got a great message and something, and I'm very valuable and something great to give to people. And I try to exude that. And if in, you know, forgive me for this next statement. All right. You know, Uh-oh. forgive me. Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad one, but you, what do you, brushed got? O- you brushed over something when you had said, you know, you studied psychology, sure. but you guys, she didn't just study psychology. She just happened to study it at Yale university. And she's probably the first person <laughs> from, you know, Yale who hasn't let you know, there went to Yale university to do it. How much of your confidence you know, knowing that you went to one of the best and you may say the best, but Harvard and, uh, you know, I don't want all the other other schools to say, no, Kellen, you got to know the data and blah, blah. But how much of your confidence, you know, and just of who you are um, stems from, I got into one of the best schools. So I know I can do anything in this world. Like, Interesting question, Kellen. I love that. It's, you know what? I have kind of an odd answer to that, which is when I was there, my, I'll never forget my freshman year. So I got recruited to play softball. I did have amazing grades. I graduated fourth in my high school class. And so I was the athlete, you know, student athlete combo that, that was able to go to a school like that. And, and so it really was an incredible experience. And I'm a big nerd deep down, if I'm being totally honest. Um, but my freshman year, I remember literally pinching myself on a day-to-day basis. Like, oh my gosh, I go here. Like, this is crazy. And I felt so proud and I felt so excited. And I was really in awe of the whole experience, to be honest. And then as kind of we're talking about society got in my head. So I'm not born and raised in New England. I didn't go to a chart like a a boarding school. You know, I don't have a, a really illustrious family background with legacies. We don't have a ton of money, you know, but people who aren't from that world will assume all those things about you. So I moved back to Texas probably seven years ago. Well, even before that, when I would come home for winter break or summer break, or I lived at home for the summer between graduating and going to my first job, and people were so judgmental about me having gone to that school. And what it really came from, it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with them feeling inadequate because they would just ask me a casual question like, where'd you go to school? Expecting me to say UT or A&M or Texas Tech. And I would say, oh, I go to Yale actually. I love it. And they would say, oh, I guess I shouldn't be talking to you. Or, oh, I guess you think you're smarter than me. And I was like, bro, I'm 22. Like, I don't know anything. What? And it really wore at me over time so much so that I stopped telling people where I went to school. I wouldn't lie, but they would ask me, where do you go to school? And because I didn't want, I avoided that negative reaction. I would say, oh, I went to school in Connecticut. You know, I went to a private school in Connecticut or whatever. And then if they kept asking, I would eventually tell them. And then I would explain why I sort of buried the lead. But if they didn't, we would just move on right? And it, it made the conversation so much easier. And you know what? It wasn't until the last five years, I was literally, I think I was either talking to a therapist or like a career coach. And that person was like, you did something amazing that a lot of people will never even have the opportunity to do. And you did it beautifully. Why not be proud of it? 
just because other people feel insecure about your accomplishment doesn't mean that you should hide it. And it doesn't mean you need to go around bragging about it and, and have like, you know, Yale stamped on your forehead. But it does mean that if someone asks you a direct question, you can give them a direct answer and you can be proud of what you did. And that changed everything for me, Kellen. It really did. I started sharing it openly. I started talking about Yale. I started, you know, it's not my job to make other people feel more comfortable about something I did that has nothing to do with them <laughs> other than the fact that they haven't done it. So I would just talk about it factually. You know, I'd talk about my experience or I'd talk about what I learned or I just, I just would share the fact that I went there and that I was proud of it. And it, it, it is a source of pride now. You know, I do feel capable and um, smart and, I, I am proud of the fact that I was able to not only get in, but, um, but graduate. And I still use that knowledge to this day. So I'm so glad you asked that question because that peels, you know, yet, yet another layer of wanting to be accepted of, of fear that we've already been talking about. And, you know, that's the, the positive side and that, that, you know, people can see and hear that that helps and elevates the confidence. So you really can be unstoppable. But what about the negative side where someone says I was fired from my last job or I caught a case, you know, from <laughs> my, while I was at the last job? And will I even be able to work again in that field? Or am I going to always be working for minimum wage? Like, what do you tell people who say, you know, I, I got a DUI or something or uh, uh, mm. whatever the case may be? I don't or bad credit even, you know, how do you make them feel unstoppable to go to their next, you know, position? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So one of the keys I believe to building a stuck to unstoppable mindset is recognizing that a lot of the things we tell ourselves are, even if they are real barriers and real obstacles, by over-identifying with, the, with them, they, they become immovable barriers and obstacles. So nothing in this world is, is absolutely permanent and fixed and you cannot progress past. There are usually ways around, ways over, ways under, <laughs> ways through, or just ways to circumvent that completely and go a different route. So if you are overly attached to, meaning you're clinging to some sort of limiting belief, I can't, the, the, or it's, it, it, it's not even just a perceived thing. It's a real thing. I got fired or like you said, the DUI situation, or um, you, you've been incarcerated. I mean, it, it, pick a thing, right? There's always a way to move forward, but it, it is nearly impossible to move forward while you have the mindset that you cannot, right? Those are just two in, in psychology, we call this cognitive dissonance. It's really hard to have a belief and to behave opposite of that belief for very long. It creates a lot of tension. So in order to actually move past something, you have to first and foremost believe that you can. And for a lot of us, that's the non-starter, right? That's, that's the moment where we're like, no, I can't get past it. But what we really try to help people grow into is, is less of a victimhood mindset I'm the victim of my circumstances. This happened to me. I can't move past it. Because the longer that you sit and identify with those things, the more they become true, you know? And, and, and all you need really is one example of a way 
to move around that obstacle. So I'll give you a great example on myself. I like to throw myself under the bus quite a bit. Um, So I have been fired from a job and that was probably the lowest moment of my life. Um, I had quit Wall Street. I had gone on a semester at sea. I'd traveled around the world. I'd had all these incredible experiences, all of which that I I funded and financed myself. I was very proud of that. I get back to the US. I'm trying to figure out my life. I'm trying to figure out my ideal job. I have no idea I'm going to start a business. And so I just start taking jobs to get get by. Um, And I ended up taking this full-time job with this company that I did very little research on. They did very little research on me, but they were enamored by the fact that I had gone to Yale and that I had worked on Wall Street. And I really just wanted a paycheck. (laughs) I was like, oh, you guys, you guys have dental? Great. I will sign up and work for you. So... Uh, so I did, and it was the worst fit of all time. They were a teeny tiny business. I had been used to working in a large one. They had me in this funky customer service role that I was terrible at. It just, I mean, at every turn, if you pick a thing, we were just misaligned. And little did I know that that kind of stuff was really important and that you can't really like fake it for that long. (laughs) Some people can fake it for a career. I could fake it for about a month. So I lasted about, I think, three months, six months in that job. And the CEO pulled me aside who I'd become good friends with. And he was like, listen, this just isn't working. I was like, I know, man, something is up. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't working. (laughs) Like, we're, you're done here. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, Like, and all the things that were running through my mind were like, this is this is the end, you know. Like yeah. nobody comes back from from this. And I remember, um, I literally left the office that day. I think I went to Whataburger and got like a honey butter chicken biscuit and chocolate milkshake. And I was driving around Dallas, like wondering what I was going to do with myself. And um, I couldn't go home. I couldn't call my mom. I didn't know what to do. And I really thought, like, this is the lowest moment of my life. Like this is this this is not possible to, what does somebody do after they've been fired? Every person I go to work for is going to say, what happened in your last job? And I'm going to say, I did a terrible job. And they're going to say, thank you for coming. And, and it was the moment at which I realized that I hadn't actually been doing what I had been called to do for the last several months, if not several years prior to that, which was start my own thing. It was the, the writing on the wall that showed me, Hey, if, if, if doing the safe thing of getting the job with the benefits and the steady paycheck and sucking it up and going in every day isn't working, then maybe I should finally take the real risk and do the hard thing. And that day was the impetus for me to start the business that we're talking about today. And that was um, over seven years ago. Um Nobody has asked me about getting fired since then, right? And if I go to try to find another job, I guarantee you they're not going to worry about that. Um, everything is temporal. And and we get to put it in the context that we want to. Now, I'll be totally honest with you, Kellen. It took me about three years to say the F word, fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even, I used to tell people we like had a mutual parting of ways or, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't own it, but now that I've come to peace with it and terms with it, and I get to make it part of my story in a way that I want, um, it's a lot easier to talk about, but that didn't happen overnight. You know, it was, it was, as we've been talking about the slow and steady practice of challenging your thinking, of doing the scary thing, of owning your own experience. Because if you hide even from your own story, then you'll always continue to be a victim of that story and of your circumstances. 
it, it takes the next level of rising up and being honest about who you are and what's happened to you and what you've done in the past. And then being okay with that and moving forward, you know, proactively. Definitely. And you guys notice she didn't say a company's name, but I'm just going to tell everybody if you ever, you know, get a inquiry from Vector Marketing on or Cutler, something about cutlery, <laughs> maybe maybe you go the other way. I, I, I believe I've dealt with Vector and I'm, I'm just not a fan, but that's me uh, being me in the oddball. Now, I, and I love that story because, you know, people would look at your life and say, oh, semester at CEL, you've always had it made, you know, softball. Um, and so that you've had, to, you know, your own struggles, which everybody does. And nobody's struggle looks like, you know, the, the next person's. But mm -hmm. with all the work that you're doing, and I really think that you are going for sainthood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're kind from, from your mouth to God's ears, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. What is a community give back, you know, one that you haven't mentioned that you are doing or that you would like to do in the future? Mm. That's a really good question. So there's a couple that come to mind. Um, I would love to do more. I would say that because I've been a startup and small business, um, you know, for a while that I've really been focused on keeping the lights on, you know, doing everything we can do to, to make money, but doing it in a really high integrity type of way. Um, I do a lot of speaking for free, um, particularly for the Catholic church and for young professional organizations, uh, that I'm a part of, um, I, there's a girl here in Dallas who runs a really cool company called Cornbread Hustle, and they are a staffing and recruiting agency for previously incarcerated people. And she does an incredible job of helping people navigate the system and land really incredible roles after having had that experience in their past. Um, I would love to help her somehow and, and, perhaps be a part of that population, learning more about themselves, becoming more clear so that they can advocate for their best and highest value, um, you know, when that part of their life comes to an end. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we really do try to be, I try to operate my business with the highest possible integrity and have that be my value add to the community because there are plenty of shysters out there people who have you know programs and things that frankly they don't even care if you ever complete let alone get the outcome that you were promised from all of their incredible marketing as long as you buy the program um and we have put we meaning my team and i now is me it was just me for a long time but now i have a, a handful of ladies working with me um you know, we really put a lot of focus early on in the business on getting great results for people so that we could build a digital business on the back of incredible testimonials and incredible results, knowing that what we have to, to sell works for people. So yeah, I hope that answered that question. That was such a great question. Um, I, I'm, I'm left feeling like I don't do enough for the community, but I, we do try to do our best by every single person we work with, paid or unpaid. 
And that's what all saints would say, because, you know, you always want to do more. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you would have came Here's on here and said, oh. <laughs> come and say, oh, you just yesterday I fed 5000 with a loaf of bread. Actually, you know, we would know yeah. what type of person we were, were dealing with. Um, <laughs> You know, before I, I give you the last word, I, I have to ask this question only because you went to Yale and that I would sure. I bet that you you went to this restaurant. I used to live. My wife and I actually got married in Springfield, Massachusetts. Okay. So I, I know New England um, very well. And I want to know, even though this company may not have the best customer service traditionally. OK, what? Um, where do you rate Louis lunch uh, as far as hamburgers? You know. <laughs> what a great question. Okay. So if you guys are not familiar with Louis lunch, this is a fabulous question. It must be, it's gotta be one of the oldest restaurants in the United States. They purport that they basically like invented the hamburger, something like that. Yeah. And they, they make their burgers on these like stand up griddles. So they're up, up and down and they put them between two slices of like white bread from my memory. And I think there's like ketchup on it or something. Um, I'll tell you this, Kellen, this is so funny. I did not eat a Louis lunch burger until about six years after I had graduated from Yale, which is kind of funny. So I've been on campus. I'd been around it. People went, I just never went. It just wasn't a thing. I was more of a pizza girl, to be honest. I had a, a, a very clear ranking of all the pizza places on campus. Um, but I went back, I went with my mom. We were doing a little New England trip. So we went to Yale, we went to Manhattan. We went back to where my old job is in Stanford. And, uh, and so we got burgers there. And I'm not going to lie to you, they are terrifyingly average. <laughs> I thought they were just fine. I didn't, you know, I don't, maybe I don't have like the, the hamburger palette that one needs to feel like that was an outstanding experience. Um, and they took forever because you guys, they have like maybe three of these grills or four of these grills and people are just coming and coming and coming and coming. So you, we were sitting there for a while. We thought we were going to miss our train. Um, but no, all in all, overall positive experience. Uh, it, it's probably not a place that I'll go back to just for, you know, I'm not going to go visit Yale just to go to Louis lunch, but the next time I'm there, I'll probably get another one. And that's an honest answer. So we yes. appreciate that answer. Tell the people where they can find you, your book and, you know, everything that you have to offer at your academy. Yeah, you got it. Well, we are Thrivist. And, and if you think about the word Thrivist, the first part of that word is thrive. You guys know what that means to grow and to flourish. And then IST, the suffix, this is where I nerd out, uh, means one who does. So the word artist, one who does art. The word geologist, one who does geology. So a Thrivist is one who thrives. Um, so that's our website, onewhothrives.com. All of our email addresses are at one who thrives. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out at hello at one who thrives and ask any questions you have about our programs and our services. Um, please follow us on social. We're a brand new brand. So we, we were operating under uh, the name of one of our programs for quite some time, the nth degree. And it was just here in 2021 that we actually rebranded to Thrivist. So we have all new socials and we have all new um, sort of, you know, media engagements. So come follow us at one who thrives. That's our handle on basically everything. You may see me and my cats on TikTok sometime very soon. We're going to do cats and careers. Um, cause I own two cats and I love them once on my lap right now. Hi cutie. 
and uh, uh, and talk about jobs. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, reach out and uh, specifically on the website, there are a couple things that you can do, including um, book time with us to talk about our program. So if you're really serious about moving forward in this area of your life, we do offer what we call clarity calls. Those are absolutely free. And then we've got a lot of really great downloads on that website, things like five steps to career clarity, four places to find your dream job. All of those are great downloads that you can grab for free uh, that will help you get a jump start on, uh, on this part of your life and on finding work that you really love. You guys have got the game. Make sure you share it with someone. It will change someone's life. Thank you, Tracy, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I really enjoyed it. And I wish you and your girls um, all the best. They have an amazing future ahead of them. Hi, everyone. Have you ever been curious about visiting Africa? Which African country were you interested in? Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia? Which country are you interested in? My good friend, Kellen Cash Coleman, came up with a course called My First Trip to Africa that'll guide you through this process. It's only $20, and in this course, you'll learn about passports, visas, vaccinations that you need before you go there, as well as a budget, uh, how much the trip is gonna cost. He also talks about what you should pack, uh, what you should take with you, how you should travel on a budget. Did you know that 100 US dollars is worth 1,000 South African Rand and over 10,000 Kenyan shillings? So imagine what you can do with $100 back home. I say back home because I'm from Sudan, I'm African. I already know how it's like. I know that you know when you convert Canadian and American money, it goes a long way when you're traveling across Africa. So if you're curious, um, if, if Africa is a place that you've always wanted to go, always wanted to move there, Kellen Cash is the person to ask. Check out the course. There's a little preview you can listen to. Um, before you actually purchase it. If you're interested in this course, visit www.diversifiedgame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifygame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.